Welcome to the Wildly Tarot Podcast. Hi, Esther. Hello, Holly. I'm so excited for this one. Yes, me too. I've been anticipating this one coming out for weeks and weeks. Yes, because we rarely interview complete strangers. This is true. We don't, but this one was such a joy. It was such a joy. (laughs) So this week we have our interview with Casey Zabala from the Wanderers Tarot. And Casey Zabala, which this is from her own website, is an artist, tarot reader, practicing witch, intuitive mystic, and the founder of Modern Witches Confluence, all of which we kind of talk about in our chat with her today. She is the author and illustrator of Wanderers Tarot, a feminist tarot deck for modern witches, and Weird Sisters Oracle, which is an oracle deck for connecting with one's personal magic, Um, both of which we bought while we were talking with her. So you'll hear that in the interview. (laughs) Yes, yes. (laughs) The publisher sent us a copy of her original Wanderers Tarot, but she has another edition and then also this oracle deck, which we kind of fell in love with while chatting with her about her process. (laughs) Totally, totally. This is why we love talking with artists because we get to know like the reasons behind their artwork and just dive right in. Exactly. So Casey has 17 years of tarot experience and she studies mostly using an intuitive approach to her readings while incorporating elements of natural magic and manifestation techniques into her offerings. And originally Wanderer's Tarot was funded successfully on Kickstarter in 2016, where she reached her goal in like one whole day, which we all know as like Kickstarter people that that's a really big thing, especially in in 2016. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. I was like, now people kind of like set goals to reach the funding. (laughs) Uh Exactly. Right. But this was 2016, a whole different world. Yeah, and then it ultimately she ended her Kickstarter, tripling her initial goal. And so this really cool deck has been picked up by Red Wheel slash Wiser Books, and it was released last week. Yeah, on the 8th. So it's available now anywhere fine books are sold. (laughs) (laughs) We had so much fun chatting with Casey. We talk about the creation of her deck, her whole artistic process, the choice to bring the deck to the mass market, and also what's next for her. And of course, now, as you can tell, we're huge fans, and we hope that you love hearing us chat with her. Yay! Yay! So I guess just to get started, we are really excited about this deck. It's so neat that it started as this independent project with a Kickstarter. And we recently had an episode for all of our listeners about how to create a deck. And part of that was that conversation about like what route you want to get into. Like, do you want to do something that's independently produced or do you want to pitch it to publishers? So it's so cool that you kind of made that transition from doing independent to then creating a second edition with kind of a different vibe. And then finally ending up here with sort of your awesome mass market option that makes it really accessible to people. Mm -hmm. Um, But we wanted to first start with talking about just like who you are as a creator and then, you know, move on from there. So tell us about what got you into tarot to begin with. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I was gifted a deck when I was 13 uh, for my 13th birthday. And it was really just this like opening Um, moment for me. I had always been um, very attracted to magic and witchcraft. Mm -hmm. And when I had this experience with tarot, 
it was it was this like direct um experience of the sacred speaking to me I love it I think that that kind of 13 year old girl is the best kind of 13 year old girl (laughs) you know what I think so now too although it felt like really weird at the time (laughs) yeah of course You're like bringing it to school and people are like, what is she doing? (laughs) Oh, yes. I was like really pushing readings on my friends and like scaring them because it was like, so, you know, tarot works, right? And so like as a 13 year old, when you're like, I see you, it can be very scary. Right. Especially as a teenager, when you're really trying so hard to like fit into a specific mold, you don't want people to be able to see inside of your soul that way. Yeah. What deck was it? What, who gave it to you? It was the Aquarian Tarot. Oh, um, what a good one. Yeah, and it was a really dear friend of mm. my mother's who gave it to me. And my mom was there with me in that experience and was kind of like holding her breath like, mm, is this okay? And, oh. uh, but like went along with it and I'm so uh-huh. glad she did. Oh, wow. I hate it that it's one for Team Aquarian because Holly and I have like this battle of what's the best like vintage deck between Morgan Greer and Aquarian. So I guess Aquarian gets a point for today. So yeah, honestly, the Morgan Greer like is so good. So close to my heart. Yeah. yeah. We love them both. But I just am like an Aquarian stan. It just won't leave my brain. It's a lot. I love that. I love it so much. I also really love having kind of like a magical auntie. And I think Mm -hmm. that the more that we can be like our peers, children, Children's magical aunties, the better. Yes. As like yes, kind of, or totally. at least for me and Esther, get into that age where our kids are all, or our friends are all having kids. Like yeah. somebody needs to be the one to give the gifts that make the parents hold their breath and feel <laughs> absolutely. I yes. love it. Needs to be a button. I'm the auntie that gives the gifts that makes parents hold their breath. I love yes. it. <laughs> I love it. I just think it's like so solid. And then as yeah. you kind of grow in that like ability and magic, they always are interested in what you're doing, and it's just such a fun relationship to develop totally. with people so true yeah so yeah. did you start collecting decks or anything or did you always know that maybe creating one of your own was going to be part of this path yeah so I also um have been an artist for most of my life and that's just like been an outlet that's been um super cathartic and healing oh. for me um so I started creating tarot-based artwork you know, as a teenager as well, I was just really interested in alchemy and symbolism and surrealism. Mm. So like my first set of tarot based artworks were like these really crazy, like mixed media boxes Ooh. that I still have somewhere in my house. Oh my gosh. Um, and it like evolved into collages and sculpture, but uh-huh. it was always very intimidating to me to like really start that process of making my own deck. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah as I'm sure a lot of people can relate. 78 is a lot of cards when you're at the beginning of it. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And I think, you know, as an artist, there's, there's always something that kind of can hold you back. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think it was really a moment of being truly inspired by uh, my peers around me at the time and Mm -hmm. the things that I was reading. I was reading um, Sylvia Federici at the time um, Caliban and the Witch, which is mm. a really mm-hmm. amazing, stimulating book that you wouldn't think relates to tarot. But for me, um, it was really about reclaiming the idea of being a witch, um, mm-hmm. the role of being a witch and really reclaiming sort of like feminine, magical ways. Yeah. And uh, the creation of the tarot deck was really that for me. Oh, I love that so much. That's so cool. 
I kind of am curious about these boxes that you create. I know. <laughs> I know. I mean, I was really interested in how alchemy and tarot relate. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. So I kind of did seven boxes of oh. all the like uh, ancient planets. Mm-hmm. and did all these like weird collages and I think there's oh like tinfoil in there I don't know <laughs> oh, oh my I gosh. love it <laughs> also you chose something that's incredibly difficult to store for long periods yes. of time because of <laughs> exactly <constraints>. yes <laughs> that's oh. always my favorite thing to say about too when it's kind of like getting to the point where somebody in your life is like I don't know if we still have space for these things and you're like they're important right yeah. I think they're <laughs> honestly collecting dust like in my parents <laughs> oh. house someplace <laughs> that'll happen what a great idea though and i love the idea of like incorporating some planetary stuff and some yes totally stuff and tarot it's like very sort of advanced tarot usage even sort of from a teenage artist zone of yeah. getting into it i yeah. think like i have an aquarius moon and that part of me that like goes really extra and nerdy very quickly uh-huh. um, <laughs> can be very interesting and strange like i would read really like occult things as a young child and uh-huh. i reread them now like oh, with more yeah. experience i'm like oh i actually understand this now. right yes. like yes. why did i read that when i was 15 i don't right know. Yeah, it's yeah. sort of like i wonder what i thought i was getting out of this <laughs> exactly at the time. like now i see so much worth in it but uh-huh. <laughs> exactly that's why I wish that I was somebody who could ever journal. I'm like not good at that, but I do feel like I wonder what young me thought I was getting mm. out of some of the esoteric yeah. stuff that I consumed. Totally. Yeah. It's fascinating. Yeah. <laughs> so your tarot journal, journal, your tarot journey. <laughs> Sorry, thanks, Holly, for that fault. word. That was your fault. <laughs> so your tarot journey started when you were like 13. Mm-hmm. So when, like, how old were you? What kind of life experience did you have by the time you started to create your first card and kind of felt that pull to create an entire deck? Yeah. So I guess how I was 24 when okay. I um, actually created the deck. Mm-hmm. And I was in an undergrad program at the time had like a kind of a wild journey finishing my bachelor degree, but I ended up in this really amazing program that encouraged me to do this final project. And somehow I was able to finagle making a tarot deck as my final project. (laughs) Oh, wow. Okay. Which is wild. That's very smart. Yeah. Good job. Um, So like- two for one. (laughs) Yeah. And I had this like uh, pressure to finish the thing. Which uh-huh. I really needed as, yes. an, as an Aquarius moon. As an Aquarius oh, moon. and an artist. Like For all both the reasons. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I, I ended up creating this deck and had like this regimented schedule where I would divide up um, the days until I had to like complete this project. Okay. And then said, okay, I have to do four drawings a day. Oh. And so I really just like had this crazy schedule planned out for myself and worked through the suits and the major arcana um, and sort of created this little ritual around it, which was really, really helpful for me. I was super interested when I read about like your ritualistic sort of like um, kind of infusing into the deck is kind of like how I saw it. And so I'm super interested in that sort of process as well. So... Yeah, I just nerd out about that sort of stuff. <laughs> Absolutely. So I, you know, I didn't have a lot of space. Like I wasn't like I, you know, had the studio and like this professional setup. 
um, which really makes me believe in magic and like mm-hmm. working with the muses really intentionally, um, mm-hmm. even more so. So what I would do is always kind of like have an altar set mm-hmm. up. And as part of that altar, there were like the tarot books that I um, had like loved and read and been inspired by. And then I would also have um, the four kind of like representations of the four suits that I was Mm -hmm. working with in my deck, uh, which are the feathers, uh, the knives, the moons, and the stones, which um, crystals or minerals uh, Mm -hmm. would be the symbol there. Um, so they were all present with me and it was really important for me to just like find a way to get into that sense of creative flow before, um, working on these drawings. So in your strategy for four per day, were you pretty systematic at it or were you kind of letting the muses decide which direction to go each day? I would try to be systematic, but of course, <laughs> yeah, it's not always like that. So no. um, some days, you know, a card would really pull me in and take up like the whole time that I had yeah. um, scheduled. So <laughs> And you're like, oh, God, how did that happen? Yeah. And other times it would just like really flow. So mm-hmm. and I think once you sort of get into the process of creating a deck, you have those really like those breakthrough moments and then um, the cards that really challenge you which is always such a learning experience that's Mm -hmm. one of our favorite questions to ask creators is like which card did you feel the most stuck on and alternatively which one felt like it was just a very very easy flow Mm, that's a great question if you even remember I mean it's hard to remember the ones that come easily probably but it might be a little easier to remember the ones that are more of a struggle yeah I think I so in actual fact like most of the cards were just drawn once and then okay that's it and there were two cards that i revised mm-hmm. um which were the high priestess and mm. the judgment card oh interesting okay. judgment like i get high priestess makes sense because high priestess i feel like my relationship with the high priestess evolves a lot with my own personal practice mm-hmm. but maybe i just don't dig into judgment enough <laughs> and that could also be an area yeah. for adjustment yeah. I mean, I think um, a lot of what we see in traditional tarot decks with the judgment card is very, uh, has a very like Christian overtone. Yeah, yes. totally. Um, and I grew up in like an Irish Catholic family. So there was mm-hmm. just a lot for me to process behind that. <laughs> right. <laughs> yes. <laughs> totally. Um, yes. <laughs> yes. So we talk that- about that a lot too, because I think that there are a lot of people who are drawn to the tarot community who really miss sort of like religious community expression from their mm-hmm. childhood or youth that they don't feel safe or connected to anymore, but mm-hmm. they can sense some of that within the tarot community. And then once they get to that judgment card, it's a little bit like, oh no, not yes. this symbolism. Yes. Yes, I was really exactly. hoping to avoid this as much as I could. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah. And I think my, my initial drawing was like more of me being really stuck in that symbolism. Mm-hmm. Um, oh yeah. And now my judgment card is sort of like this um this eye figure that's like witnessing oh um, i love that and this plant this kind of garden that's being newly like planted oh um and so for me you know really about being a participant in your process and acknowledging there's like a higher purpose a higher uh or just like a spiritual ally that's available to you yes um 
but acknowledging that like your process and your uh, evolution comes in cycles. And right. That, yeah. And still has to sort of be with you in the driver's seat. Right. It's not something that's happening to you, which I think is like kind of a negative component of the judgment card in general is that it feels like sort of reactive rather than proactive in some mm-hmm. ways. Exactly. Yeah. How did the name changes for the suits come to you? Um, since that is like a unique part, like you were kind of before the trend of, well, of like name changes. Cause now it's kind of common place beforehand, mm-hmm. like in, you know, the 60s, 70s, 80s, there were some changes, but most of them were in like, um, like feminist decks and things like that. And so that seems to be something that you've kind of put into this deck as well. Was there any intention of changing the names or did it just kind of come to you one day like oh I'm going to change the name of the suits to reflect um something that was meaningful yeah well I I really um was trying to shift away from like the gendered king and queen Mm -hmm. and maybe all the kind of stereotypes that for me personally were tied up (laughs) with like the page and the knight right Um, totally yeah So, I mean, I still have the goddess in there, which for me is not necessarily a gender term, but I know it is for others. Mm -hmm. Um, But I was really inspired by the Daughters of the Moon Tarot, which is like one of my favorite decks still. Mm -hmm. Um, Oh, man, we went on such an adventure to because we just wrote a book about the history of tarot art and it's being released in a couple of months. Oh, Um, I'm so excited. A couple of weeks. A couple of weeks. Oh, yeah, a couple of weeks. (laughs) Wild. It's been delayed because of COVID stuff, but uh, the creator of Daughters of the Moon kind of like disappeared off the internet. And so it was really hard tracking down rights to her images. Um, And the reason is that she had passed away. And I think it's kind of one of those things that sometimes happens in the esoteric community where somebody's family doesn't really understand the gravity of their impact into this Mm -hmm. niche community. Right. And so they're like not keeping up with the website. They're not, they don't have access to that stuff and it just becomes kind of like a mystery to be solved. But that deck is a really, really special deck. Yeah. And is basically like the second feminist deck ever published. And it came out, two months after mother piece, which is considered the first. So it's like a very cool sort of like, I guess, explosion of these ideas surrounding goddess work and stuff that was happening in that era. And I think that they're both pretty neat. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Very inspired by that deck. Mm -hmm. Um, It's huge. And it is huge and cool and weird. Like two lovers cards. Hello. This is such a thing ever. Such a smart idea. And I think that that's also something that's sort of like more common now is including a lot of like variations and stuff. But Mm -hmm. I think that because like we didn't say specifically what the other court cards are, but King is philosopher, queen is goddess, like you said, knight is prophet, and page is wanderer. Mm-hmm. And so I think because of the, like, degendering of most of them, even if people do have that, like, concern, I guess, of goddess being specifically a feminine uh, card, it still is the minority compared to the other court cards. So you can kind of break through those structures a little bit more with the name changes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
Totally. And I really love philosopher as king because that seems so like platonic. Like the philosopher king is sort of like a Hellenistic idea <laughs> of somebody who's wise and capable and all of this stuff. And I really like that instead of just being more like despotic, like kings can sort of be interpreted sometimes. <laughs> Very true. And you know what? I'm going to throw a wrench into the conversation because okay. <laughs> actually the court cards, their correspondence is the page is the philosopher. Oh, no. The, oh, no. The, <laughs> Sorry, no, don't worry. The knight is the wanderer. Oh, okay. oh, duh. That makes so much more sense. The queen is the goddess, and then the king is the prophet. But I like, okay, see, here's a thing oh. that I like about changing the court cards' names too is because, and I think it's something that I really wanted to do with my deck is like invite people to really use their own intuition and make their right. own interpretations because mm-hmm. I think that's something that I like have maybe struggled with with the tarot is Uh this sometimes the more like rigid patriarchal way of utilizing the deck. Yeah. Um, And the hierarchy within the court cards feels so ingrained. If you think about like a value assignment to this role. So that like having the page be the philosopher is so cool because then you're giving the page even, I mean, I guess I'm even falling into this, like framework that I'm trying to avoid of having like a hierarchical value assignment with these titles. But I really like the page as a philosopher because then the philosopher can be such a strong mm-hmm. thing. It mm-hmm. doesn't have to be something that's like so new to an idea. It can be more established. And I think that that sort of breaks down some of the uh, like preconceived notions about what a page means. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, a, you know, a philosopher in my mind, is someone who is always challenging reality and like challenging the way that they experience the world and the way they think about the world. Um, And I think, you know, a page is a student and Mm -hmm. always challenging Mm -hmm. um, their own perception of like what is real and what they know. Totally. What they're good at. So Mm -hmm. that for me was where that correspondence came from. (laughs) Yeah. I'm so sorry. No. Oh, don't worry. No. Don't worry. I, I, I think we should have done a disclaimer from the beginning. We don't have the physical decks with it us. It hasn't gotten so to us yet. Yeah. So we've had to do research online, and apparently oh. the blog that we were reading about the court card changes was not accurate. So that's why the confusion has happened, everyone. Everything's okay. But do we will have a copy. Yeah. Okay. Before, the, before the podcast episode is released, we'll have copies in hand, and right. we'll probably be posting lots of pictures of it and stuff. Yeah, yeah. One of those chaotic things. (laughs) Oh, of course. And do not, like, I think what's interesting is people kind of, maybe one of the challenges with my deck that people experience is the court card change-ups because, you know, I also place the Wanderer, like, sort of, like, outside of the hierarchy, which really throws Mm -hmm. people off. Yeah. Um, Because I think, for me, the knight um, doesn't exist in a hierarchy. Um, Yeah. Or the Wanderer, they're someone who really is on their own time and their own agenda. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and that is sort of like something that a few authors talk about. Um, I know like Alejandro Jodorowsky sort of talks about this. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. Who is a problematic figure. Just want to name that. But yeah, he does talk about um, the knight kind of being on their own journey and not really fitting into the hierarchy. Yeah. Um, which really stuck with me um, just in terms of like trying to disrupt the hierarchy. Well, and it also kind of helps even more so with the idea of a fool's journey if you have kind of like a character throughout that is sort of separated from the suits themselves in some way. Yeah. Yeah. But I also really like the actual suit changes themselves because every single time I see a moon 
in a place of a cops, I'm like, this is, su- it's just such a good choice. Oh, yes. I, I mean, I'm such a moon person. I think like, I realized I was a witch when like I had a psychic experience with the moon when I was like oh. 10 years old. So oh my God. definitely I had to it. be in there. <laughs> oh, I love it. Yeah, I've told this story on the podcast before, but my mom was like a full moon drum circle kind of, you know, Northern California mom. And mm-hmm. uh, when I got my first period, we like had a special moon drumming circle for it. And so mm-hmm. I just feel the same way about the moon. I'm always it's like so really, sweet. really happy to. She's also a cancer. So that's like not surprising that she would be. Yes. So into the moon, but <laughs> it's I always really love it when that's one of the suits. And I think that having it be cups rather than pentacles, which is another difference that I've seen in other decks, to me feels really strong because we want that moon to have that emotional component. And mm-hmm. it's more in depth than like just simply the shape of the moon aligning more closely with the shape of a pentacle. Right. Which I think I is totally sometimes a thing yeah. that people go into for it. My question for the suit change comes from the wands being feathers, because Mm -hmm. for me, I associate feathers with air and for me, air, the, the air suit would be sword. So how did you come to the conclusion that in your deck you wanted wands to be the feather? Yeah, that's a, that's a question I get a lot. Um, And I totally see the correspondence of feathers with air. For me, feathers are like a, a magical omen. Uh, that kind of affirm that you are following your path and following (gasps) your purpose. I literally got chills because that is exactly how I see feathers because feathers are always like dropped strategically around me. And so it's always, every time I see it, it's like you're on the right path is literally what they tell me. Exactly. Yeah. And seeing like hawks, um, Mm -hmm. hawks and owls, certain, you know, hawks are, oh my gosh. (laughs) Hawks show up for me all the time and I do not live in an area with a ton of them anymore. And they still are like perching on my fence occasionally. And it makes me so happy to see them. We're having a magical moment here. Exactly. They're, these messengers right yeah for me like the wands are really about like following your passion even if it's Mm -hmm. really challenging right Um, and I think that like birds or feathers often come to me in those moments when I need them the most to like Mm -hmm. really um affirm something or encourage me in a certain way and I guess from like a super see this is my Capricorn moon and rising coming out from a super literal perspective it's also like a tool for motion yeah. yeah, which can be kind of wands-like. Like it's a yeah. tool for movement and a tool for action. Definitely. So that makes a lot of sense. I also think that people with feedback about that sort of change, it's like, this is my deck. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. You I, know what's I, funny? Oh, what? Um, yes. I'm sorry. I don't mean to interrupt. Oh, no, you're fine. No, go ahead. <laughs> oh, I was just going to say it's funny because like I made this deck not thinking that I was going to make a Kickstarter or mm-hmm. like have it published in any form. I really just made this deck for me and for yeah. the process of making the deck. Um, and it wasn't until like I, I, you know, started using it and giving readings more professionally. And um, at one point, my friend was like, you just need to do this yeah like put (laughs) it out there like people would love this yeah I love Um, it when you have a friend who forces you into that situation (laughs) that you wouldn't like otherwise do it's so true such a blessing (laughs) yeah and I just totally love hearing this like 
I mean, we've read a whole book about you know history yeah. behind decks, we and we just want to. For us, it's just the excitement of knowing your artistic choices, right. exactly, and why. like absolutely no judgment at all because we are. This is like where we nerd out and geek yeah, out. Totally. Is like your artwork, what influenced it, what was behind it, like the choices that are made are just like absolutely like does like cheesecake it's... on a plate at twelve o'clock midnight. <laughs> I know for us. we're so, so. into it. That <laughs> oh, and also spreading that. the message that everyone needs to assign somebody to keep releasing their deck after their death. <laughs> exactly, like exactly. our two main. Platforms. <laughs> Put so in your when, will. <laughs> when your friend suggested doing a Kickstarter, did you have any reservations about kind of like doing that and making it more widely available or did it feel like a really natural fit? Um, yeah, I mean, I definitely hesitated. I, I was not, <laughs> mm-hmm. I, you know, I, um, I had no idea what I was doing. Like yeah. 0%. <laughs> I remember, um, I used to go to the, uh, Pacific Northwest Tarot Conference or symposium. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and like I learned a lot there and I sort of was like trying to get into the community, like joined the Facebook page. Mm-hmm. But ultimately, I think this is just maybe just me. I just had to just do it and yeah. not think too much about what was going to happen. Yeah. Um, I had a lot of people tell me that I was crazy to do a Kickstarter, like – that it was not gonna go anywhere oh my Um, god no set my bar low all this stuff um which is so interesting because in 2017 there were there still had been some obviously but now there are like classes you can pay people thousands of dollars to to like make sure your kickstarter is successful right Right. but in 2017 you're just like well hopefully this goes well (laughs) exactly i was like okay um, and Instagram was sort of new for me too. I was mm-hmm. just like trying to be on Instagram. Um, and I will say back then it was easier to like really connect with people and, yes. um, get to know people on that platform. So mm-hmm. I did really learn a lot from just like being like, hi, you did this too. Like, can we talk or, yeah. you know, right. uh, um, so it was a lot of just like navigating in the dark, but I'm right. really glad I did it. Um, yeah, it was it was challenging, but worth it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So what it, are the kind of differences between the indie release version and the mass market version that's coming out? Does if that makes any sense? Like, are the, were you able to have sort of creative control over some things and kind of say, this is what I want with the mass market version? Or are they kind of two different ball games at this point? Yeah, that's a great question. I actually kept most of it fairly similar. Um, the main difference is, I would say, the finish. Um, mm-hmm. My self-published one is like a matte black with matte black edges. Ooh. So it's a very dark deck. Um, yes. And Wiser has decided to go with a glossy finish and like a silver edge. Oh, interesting. Uh, which is also really lovely. It just has like a different um, feel. Yes. Yeah. Um. I, the silver edges are super fun. I had a a, a white uh, version of my deck as well mm-hmm. with silver edges and glossy. So um, I know that finish too. It's just like a different a different vibe. Yeah, okay. totally. Is and the white one is not going mass market. It's staying indie. Yeah, it's staying indie. I'm I'm honestly like I think I have. I have a very limited stock left. Oh, well. <laughs> I don't know the exact number, but like, uh-huh. um, it'll be, that'll be it. Oh and my then, gosh. Oh wow. It's kind of an end yeah. of an era. Totally. It's fun. It's fun to like, um, kind of see the last few decks going out. Mm-hmm. Did you approach Wiser or did Wiser approach you? I approached Wiser. Oh, exciting. Okay. How did that process go? Well, 
I guess it it you know everything a witch does kind of goes with a with a, a slight spell. Um, yeah. <laughs> but I really was at a point I um am a f- professional reader and was teaching a lot of workshops at that point and also I run this organization called Modern Witches which um hosts these huge like magical conferences every year. So I was like and am loaded down in life. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Um, totally. Lot going on. (laughs) Lot going on. So my goal is to really just lighten the load. And I really wanted Wanderer's Terror to be able to continue on. Um, And thinking about going to a publisher also increases accessibility to the Absolutely. So it felt like the right thing to do. And I I didn't reach out to many people, honestly. Um, Mm -hmm. I think Wiser was one of the few people I reached out to just to Mm -hmm. kind of gauge curiosity. Um, yeah, and luckily enough, they were interested. Yeah, they cool. they are a really good publisher in my experience, and I the uh, PR people for like the last two PR people have reached out to me a lot about different books and stuff that they've published, and it seems like generally their oeuvre of all of their <laughs> offerings are things that I feel very strongly positively about. So they yeah. are a good a good person to align with and it also releases so much pressure from you from having to keep a stock and exactly. deal with all of the chaos that comes with that which is just like consistent all the time <laughs> you know yeah I'm sure you know it's so much work there's so many moving pieces mm-hmm. um and I've had such a good experience with Wiser and I know they're um really consciously evolving yes um, as a publishing group which is really really yeah I think that they were nice. one of the main or one of the first big publishers during last June to really come out like very strongly about uh creating an emphasis in publishing more BIPOC voices yeah. mm-hmm. and they did that before some even big bigger publishers so that's also a good reason to kind of support them in that way absolutely but this isn't even your only deck because you also have your really fun weird sisters oracle yes (laughs) i love my oracle deck it's been such a like a weird joy i Um, love that so much so when did you come up with that idea i i have been wanting to make this oracle deck for a long time um and experienced like a lot of creative blockages with it um Mm -hmm. for many years um but finally, it was actually like, I guess it was right before the pandemic. Mm-hmm. Um, I was like furiously creating this deck and it sort of came out like <laughs> at the beginning of the pandemic and it was like so weird and like I had no energy <laughs> to promote this weird thing because of yeah. like, the world and everything that needed our attention. <laughs> right, um, right. But it's just been this really, um, honestly for me, like as a magical tool, it's been so sweet to work with. Oh, I love um, it when that happens. I know. You never know when you create these things. Yeah, um, totally. But the process of, you know, just coming coming up with your own system is so fun. Yeah, totally. I am an Oracle lover. And my first decks were Oracle decks. And I just really, really love kind of the lack of structure or the creativity that comes with creating a new structure. So I'm always really happy to see that people like dabble in both and don't just kind of get, you know, I guess comfortable in one sort of arena and make more than one. And this one has like a lot of colors. It looks like there's even some holographic Mm -hmm. backs and stuff, like really testing the boundaries. Testing the boundaries. (laughs) Yeah. Testing the foil capacity. (laughs) It's just so much fun. <laughs> yes. It, so cool. it was a super fun process. And it's all about, it has like candle magic, um, 
magical tools, uh, spell suggestions. So Mm -hmm. the guidebook, I'm also a writer. So the guidebook was a really fun place for me to explore and just kind of encourage people to uh, take action after they have kind of like a divinatory experience because Mm -hmm. I think a lot of time we get the message and I'm sure like many readers out there will know you tell your clients the message, but um, it takes kind of that next step of right exactly what's the thing you do now that you know now that you have this information what's your next step yeah and that's what the weird sisters is all about it's giving suggestions for folks to like activate the magic Mm -hmm. (laughs) I love it I love it so much you've talked a lot about your magical journey and how like you are very much of a like proud witch voice like you're very confident and kind of at least how you present yourself as a leo son very confident (laughs) in um (laughs) in your craft and how things have been developed kind of like naturally from within. And a lot of our listeners are actually kind of new on the path. They come to our podcast to learn about tarot because we try to make it accessible as possible, but they're also very curious about, you know, witchcraft and someone's bridging that gap, right. Bridging that gap and kind of like where they've come from. Cause you said you had like an Irish Catholic background or, Mm -hmm. or childhood. Um, And I come from a very fundamentalist Baptist background so it's like we're it's like lots of people like listen because they're trying to come from one place that's been constrictive to kind of freedom if that makes any sense so what like in your journey what has kind of been an impact for you like what's kind of like the 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 muse that you've followed does if that makes any sense like helping our Mm -hmm. listeners kind of find that confidence within themselves in their own voice what has kind of made that difference to you that's such a great question um I think that something for me that has been really important to remember is that kind of like spirituality or witchcraft is not about doing something right. And I'm saying that from my like Catholic upbringing, because um, if you come from kind of more of a religious dogmatic framework, there can be this sense of doing something right and doing something wrong and like consequences. Mm Yeah. Yes. Um, But I think spirituality and witchcraft can be so inspiring because there's no wrong way to do it. Mm -hmm. Um, And it's really about following that intuition. Um, I would say I'm I'm also an avid dreamer. So my dreams have been really formative in my practice and then Mm -hmm. also just like helping me explore my spirituality in a way that's super private and... um, you know, doesn't have to be shared with anyone ever. Right. Yeah. So, or even receive input from other people. Because exactly. It's just fully internal. Yeah. Yeah. So like something like a dream work practice where you can be like, what do I look like as a witch before you go to bed and try to dream about it? Or mm-hmm. um, what does my own spirituality look like? Or how can I lean into my intuition? Like really asking your own spirit those mm-hmm. questions rather than looking outside of you. I think um, that for me, has really cultivated a lot of confidence Mm -hmm. um, just because it's for me. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. You're not relying on other people's rules or suggestions even. Yeah. I think that the thing that scares people is the idea of doing something wrong. And so one of our goals is always to make sure that people know that, like, that's virtually impossible. Like, I mean, I guess it's not totally. I think that people can be a little bit, like, 
not thoughtful about the things that they're doing and maybe accidentally cause harm. But in general, (laughs) when you're sort of getting started, it's unlikely that you're going to cause any harm and you really will get the most out of your experience if you just try, Mm -hmm. which it kind of sounds like a sort of the story of the Wanderer's Tarot in general is that you were, you had to do this project and you said, this is what I'm doing and kind of didn't accept somebody saying, no, that doesn't count or that Mm -hmm. won't count or whatever. You just kind of did it because it was the thing you wanted to do. Yes. I think it's a lot, it's an exercise in trust a lot of the time. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, And I do think, you know, in terms of where do you get started or like, how do you kind of move through those fears? I think it's really important to think about like, what is your intention with the work? Like what is Mm -hmm. your intention when you approach magic or tarot? And getting really clear about that is going to help you immensely. And knowing that it will change over time is also good because we all change over time. Right, exactly. And that's also the best way to avoid doing unintentional harm is to make sure that your intentions are good and also (laughs) more self-focused than like large world things. Mm -hmm. That can be a really good way to get started because if your intentions are good and you're just trying to control your own sphere of influence, (laughs) it can be a way to sort of let loose a little bit without (laughs) accidentally doing anything harmful. Totally, (laughs) yes. I think that's amazing. Mm. Yeah. Well, I just uh, went onto your website and bought one of the very few remaining <laughs> copies of the Solar Edition of Wanderer's Tarot. So yeah. keep Thank an eye you so much. That. We, we enable all of our listeners, including ourselves. So Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. The minute somebody says there aren't that many available, I'm like, okay, well, I mean, fine. <laughs> It's like, Holly, you didn't buy me one, too? Oh, I gosh. know. I was, <laughs> we'll do it when we hang up. Okay. okay. <laughs> I got to like, put out a PSA because I haven't okay. really been talking about that, you know? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, oh, yeah. you're gearing up to a big, big release that has totally. a lot of other people involved also. Y- so You have so much going on in your stuff. life already. We will help you and assist you with this. <laughs> yeah, it's I fine. so appreciate it. <laughs> this isn't for me. It's to do a favor for you. <laughs> This has nothing to do with my low exactly. impulse control about beautiful tarot decks. Yeah, yeah. I resonate with that. I'm like, if somebody even asks me how many I have today, I just have no way of answering that question. Yeah. Oh, no, um, no. And no shame. No shame at all. <laughs> That's a private question. Yeah. As we were kind of researching about you, you're, um, of course, doing Modern Witches and the Modern Witch Confluence. Yeah, Modern Witches Confluence. And can you tell us a bit more about that? Because that's a big part of your life now and kind of where you're pivoting to kind of focus on. Um, And I don't know if it's going to be a total pivot or it's just kind of um, allowing one thing to like your deck to kind of be at rest right now and sort of focusing on this. But can you tell us a bit more about that? Sure. Yeah, I think I'm 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 definitely at a pivot point and inviting in the mystery of the pivot. Um, but the witch's confluence does take up a lot of my time, which is a beautiful thing. It's really started off as a annual event to get witches together in an educational setting to really encourage sort of more context around like what it means to be a witch. And when I say context, I mean exploring diversity in Mm. witchcraft. Um, so that is one of our main goals. We have our fourth annual gathering coming up our second virtual conference, Confluence. Mm -hmm. And we have like 18 workshops scheduled. Um, It's over the weekend of Halloween. 
And it's really just an opportunity for witches of all walks of life to come together and really explore all the ways that someone could be a witch. Yeah, very cool. So is it like a lot of different types of practitioners who come to teach about their own practices or are there like different holistic themes per conference? Yeah, so we generally have a theme. This year it's Welcome Mystery, but we encourage all types of practitioners. So we have a few tarot readers this this come around. We have Rashenda Tramble, Stay Woke Tarot, who just released a great oh, yeah. book. Mm-hmm. Then with the Numinous on Tarot. Mm-hmm. We have Angela Mary Magic, who's going to be our Fem C this year, who mm-hmm. did Moon Baby Magic Tarot. Um, so a lot of t- folks in the tarot community. Yeah. Um, and then we also have uh, death doulas, mediums, astrologers, herbalists. So it really runs the gamut of... Yeah, um, that seems really holistic. Yeah. Yeah, magical work. Yeah, that's so cool. And the cool. fourth annual must feel like such an accomplishment, too. <laughs> yeah, there's something, I mean, you know, moving out of, like, 2020 Emperor yes. year and then, like, doing the fourth <laughs> annual. Like, the four energy is good and intense yeah. and challenging. So yeah. I'm definitely riding that wave. It's yeah. no wonder. Yeah, that's so cool. It's no wonder that the deck option had to be offloaded in some way, shape, or form. <laughs> totally. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah. Yeah. I, um, I'm i excited. I think I'm already dreaming about, like, more decks that I could make. Oh. And I'm trying to just... <laughs> yes, with like, all the like, creative time. <laughs> exactly. Yes. I don't know. We'll see what happens. Yeah. <laughs> Well, we'll definitely keep an eye out because yes. I love your stuff and that sounds really cool. So we'll be watching. Awesome. Yes. And in a non-stalker I, way or maybe in just slightly stalkerish. Yeah, yeah no, in a totally <laughs> respectful boundary, you know, boundary kind of way. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> don't worry. Yeah. But yeah, that's awesome. Thank you so much for being with us. We really appreciate you sharing everything with us. And I'm really excited now to get all of this in my little hands so I, I can that's play so with them and experiencing it, experience it all in real life because it's awesome to hear from artists about how their path went the way it did. Oh, yeah. thank so, you so much. I so hope much. you enjoy it. And yeah. this was such a fun conversation. I really appreciate it. Oh, yeah, of oh, course. Yeah. Anytime. Next time you have a new project, let us know. Totally. I will. <laughs> <laughs> That's our show. Next week, we will be reviewing the deck tarot oppositions. And don't forget to send us your questions or any updates we have. I know that next week we have a a question update, which is fun. Yes. I'm so uh, excited. <laughs> you can find all of our contact information at wildlytarot.com, including a handy form with which to submit questions. And also tell your friends about us and rate your review us on Apple podcasts or any of your Android apps. Wherever. It helps us grow. And we really always appreciate it. Yeah. You can also follow us on Instagram at wildly tarot podcast or join our Facebook community, which we're about to hit a thousand Facebook uh, group members, which is yeah, exciting. Yeah, that's exciting. Uh, we're just like slow growers and we're into we it. Are. We love our awesome Facebook group. Um, yes. But you can find our Facebook community by searching for Wildly Tarot Podcast on Facebook. And also, we have a cool ass Discord server with lots it of amazing really people. Is- it's so interesting because it's like so cool. It's way cooler than us. It's way cooler than us. Yeah. I sometimes get a little bit intimidated to be in there because I'm like, these yeah. people are really awesome. And we're just yeah. like some lady just like Ex- their fucking <laughs> some lady. 
<laughs> exactly. But you can, if you, you know, there is no cool factor to enter yeah, our Discord. Yeah, we don't actually test for We that. don't actually, it's like, grade anybody. It's just, <laughs> it ends up that there's tons of cool people in there. Yeah. So if you want to join our Discord server, if Facebook or anything else is not for you, then you can click the link in our show notes. And also, we have merch on in a red bobble shop, like, um, saddled with this corporeal for corporeal Yeah, which is a big form. hit. People are It was a that. huge hit. <laughs> I, I, I feel like I've arrived as a graphic designer after I, well, 27 years of hard work. Well, you did an amazing job, Esther. Like, well, I did have great incredible. content to work with. <laughs> so, the cat, the so, addition yeah. of the cat, the font choice, you're just a genius. It's so good. Yeah. So we try to make our miserable life in existence here on Earth as amusing <laughs> no, as possible. No, no, no. Not miserable. Frustrating and fleeting. <laughs> okay. 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 Yes. Yes. Perfect. So everything to all of our links to Discord, Facebook, everything. Everything merch is in the show notes. So yeah. click in those show notes. Exactly. <laughs> and remember, go forth and tear wildly this week. We, we love, love you. you. Don't so let much. us get you down. We're yes. so nihilistic today. <laughs> oh no, it's nihilistic Thursday. 